Hey everybody, this is Dr. William Clark here for Leadership Conversations. This is the show where we talk about leadership according to the world that matters to you. And on this podcast, we spend quite a bit of time talking about leadership, of course. But this year, we've been focusing and refocusing the podcast on fundraising, nonprofit stuff, the things that matter to nonprofits. And um, I have, uh, throughout the year, brought on several guests. I have targeted this topic and my guest today uh, is no different. Uh, today, we have uh, Mr. Mark Buzan, who is hailing from Quebec up in Canada. I can't pronounce the city. Mark, how do you pronounce the city? Got no. Got no. Okay, I clearly would not have uh, gotten that right. So he's from Gatineau, Quebec. And uh, Mark is a guru uh, on nonprofit sponsorships, which is the reason why I reached out to him because it speaks to what I uh, talk about, and that's nonprofit sustainability. So we'll get into that. And then uh, Mark is a self-professed growth hacker. So we'll talk, talk about that as well. But Mark, how are you doing, sir? I am doing quite well. Glad that we could make through. We had a little earlier technical challenges, but we're here. So we are here. Yeah. So, so let me go back to your bio. Say, just tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you want folks to know about you? Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I was not somebody that naturally came to the nonprofit world, nor, frankly, if you'd asked me, uh, you know, my younger self some 25 years ago, if I'd be, uh, you know, raising money and working with nonprofits, I would have probably looked at you with a really, huh, come again? Uh, look. <laughs> But uh, life is what it is. It kind of takes you in different directions. I, I got my start on Parliament Hill, working for a member of Parliament. Uh, I was inevitably, you, you get exposed to a lot of uh, political fundraising, advocacy work uh, naturally on this. Often, sometimes you're on the receiving end of it, as well as delivering it out. Um, I did that about five years, and, and uh, I'd say the only, the only people would hire us for hacks, as I realized, after five years on Parliament Hill doing political stuff tend to be the nonprofit and association world. So I found myself very much in the, in the, on the communication side. I was doing, uh, I was doing advocacy campaigns, membership outreach, events, uh, event coordination. Never still really realized that all of this in the end is all about being very entrepreneurial and, you know, growing, doing business development for, uh, for, for the non-for-profit sector. It, I, I think I was probably just doing it, not really realizing that I was in fact you know, being a business development guy. I had the opportunities later on as I gradually, uh, you know, worked my way up in my career in, in roles that were more senior and doing things like being chief of communications, executive director, president, CEO of two national associations, where inevitably I began to realize that, you know what, if you want to get anything done, you're going to have to learn how to, A, how to collaborate and work with other groups to get uh, building partnerships to build a, a, a bigger piece of the, have a bigger piece of the pie or to grow the pie more and more importantly, or at the very least, you're going to need to figure out a way to, dare I say, grow the revenues. I would say uh, there was a lot of great stuff that we were doing, but we were always very frustrating because we were always frustrated by the fact that there was more in our desire to be able to, in our mission that we wanted to be accomplished, but we were lacking in the means to be able to do that. And I think, Probably a non-profit people who are listening to that can relate to that challenge. And but it was through these work, these exposures, particularly at the senior level, where it was falling upon me. It wasn't something you naturally signed on, but you realized you wanted to get anything done. You had to do this. I began to be exposed to the fact of, uh, of a few things. One, a uh, real big epiphany was being able to, to, to audit on a book uh, for a gentleman author. I, I 
enormously respect out of California, Ed Rigsby, who's got a book out called The ROI of Membership, where he, he, he took the, I think at the time it was really revolutionary thought, stop guilting people. <laughs> Guilt, the ROI on guilt in a not-for-profit sector is just doesn't work. In fact, the only thing it really ever accomplishes is it just ends up frustrating yourself and, and, and pardon my language, pisses off the other person, frankly. So you're better off to find and, and, and tap and adapt your offering towards that. And, and uh, I later took that on to uh, another very senior role was doing business development sponsorships for the association consulting engineering companies where in, I uh, took them from three partners that they are just kind of sponsoring off and on doing this to 36 in two and a half years and we're over half a million dollars. Very much on that whole perspective of stop trying to guilt people into supporting the organization and listen from a business provider. What makes sense for them? And, uh, and we were very successful, was very successful in getting in big brands, you know, major banks involved, interested in this, software companies, Autodesk, Microsoft, all these kind of companies that began to see us as a value-added partner uh, and at the same time also helping their, uh, you know, their, some of their CSR uh, objectives at the same time. Yeah, I think that speaks to a lot of um, what we talk about on this podcast and, and what we talk about in our books and resources. And I think, you know, I really want to hover around this idea you talked about, which is, do we grow the pie versus grow the revenue? And I'm going to make an assumption about what it's like in Canada, but in here in America, uh, the pie has not grown and it will not grow. Yeah. What's, and, and the reason why it won't grow, no matter how much more money we throw at this from a foundation perspective, uh, everybody every day gets an epiphany that they want to start a nonprofit. And as they start this nonprofit and they begin to get into the marketplace and begin competing, uh, that crowds out the pie and it crowds out the availability of resources because now you have to divide up what already exists and what potentially may exist if you forecast out with the potential new growth of a new nonprofit. And so the pie isn't growing. And I think to the point you're, you're talking about and what we're going to talk about today, uh, we have to look at growing the revenue. And yeah. we also have to get out of the business, as you talked about, uh, relying upon the ROI of guilt, which is something we are guilty of in a nonprofit It sucks. Space. The ROI sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's horrible. Mm. Only in, the, only in a, uh, and if you're a strictly entrepreneurial uh, kind of perspective, uh, I mean, forget the fact that we're all about this because we've got our hearts in this and we want to do something there. I get that totally. I, I, I wouldn't, there's probably a hundred other things that'd be much more profitable and uh, that I could, I personally, get. but I do this because I care on this, but if I were to try to subtract, this is really hard. We sometimes have to try to subtract ourselves, like do that out of body removal of this and sometimes that and try to put your, really try to put yourself in the perspective of the other person. I mean, well, think about it. What's the most important topic to most people? Money. Themselves. Oh, themselves. with that too. Them, themselves, <laughs> themselves, right? Yeah. And I, I mean, that, that, that sounds like shocking. Oh, what a, what a horrible, no, that's just human nature. Um, people are inevitably going to be looking at something, okay, well, where do I fit into this? If it doesn't have to necessarily be monetarily gained, maybe it's some recognition, some opportunity for prestige, something that's going to uh, offer and, 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 and give them some self Maybe if even maybe it's just a sense of some self fulfillment in one form or another. You know what I mean? We have to start looking at things like this, and 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 that's where this ROI kind of thing 
often come about in that, you know, going about, uh, there's just a lot of topics that you, you brought up I want to address, but just to, 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 to take it from there, and specifically when it came to memberships, memberships is one, one kind of format that, that works for nonprofits. I recognize it's not for everybody, depending on who but assuming it, uh, assuming it is, you pointed out there as no shortage of places where you're going to get solicited for join this cause, support this cause, whatever that may be. And there are, and, and then we have the we have the internet often to to contend to uh, with that. You can get a lot of great information from anyways. You don't need to join it or fork out you know a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, whatever that may may be. You've got to really got down like like a like a business in some ways. Sharpen that old pencil and say, okay, what does this make sense for? So taking that example of the membership of ROI, and I want to steal credit from this. So this is. This is largely uh, Ed, Ed's thing, but I, but I use it very, it's, it's brilliant. He says, try to break it down from the perspective of a customer, if you will, and ask them, what do you value, or what are these, first of all, what do you value out of these services that, you've, that, that we're offering? How much would it cost if you were to try to do that yourself? Or, what would the, uh, what would, or, or how much would you pay if you were to try to do that yourself? in some form or another, or not this, and then break down a number. Now in one organization, I was president and CEO of the Canadian Association of Recycling Industries, we found two things that were happening. The first is that our association was offering, William, no word of a lie, 19 different services. 19 different services to prospective members, industry, and, and, and causes, and organizations, NGOs that were a member of us. And, uh, and I don't want to sound disparaging to my, my predecessor. He did a lot of great things, but he thought that that was, wow, that sounds great. But when we actually went out and surveyed the membership, surveyed the market of people who could potentially support us, we, were find, we found out that people really only knew about three of the 19 services. Three out of 19. That meant we are our whole, our whole staff and we're, we're dedicating our effort towards 16 other services that people didn't even know about. They didn't even have any value on there. So dialing it back and then also asking for them meant that we were able to all, not only uh, harmonize and get really more focused on the value proposition and being more, folk, uh, more potentially focused on the mission that we were so important, that's so important about nonprofit service, is, is really about, it's, it's about delivering impact and change, right? We were also getting to focus on this, but then also, get smart business-wise and say, okay, why are we offering all these 16 things that nobody cares about and nobody, nobody values as well? And further than the secondary exercise of this is that we have to, and I think this is so different, you, you're right in the sense, I'll, 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 I'll say that, yes, the, the number of players is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, particularly in an internet age. I'm not sure if I completely say that that, that, that means the, sp the pie is getting smaller. It just means that there's more people getting, in, getting into the same pie and we've got to think about ways as well that you carve out your niche within that pie as well. But um, we were able to say to, you know, Clark Enterprises, for example, did you know that your membership for every dollar that you spend in carry membership you get $9.26 back in services. And here's how. 
You see how that kind of changed the dynamic and the, and the conversation? It was no longer a conversation of where my, you know, many people would say, or I would have, I had a board member who literally no word of a lie was slamming the desk and he said, God done it. They should be doing, they should be supporting us because it's the right thing to do. And I said, George, I wish I had 500 more people like you, but that's not how it works often enough. The conversation when it's focused on, on, about, on the you and the value proposition just changed the dynamic and we were able to quickly keep and, keep and, and recruit three new members shortly after within three members of rather large substantial corporate members. Well, taking that approach later on in sponsorships, the same thing was approached. It was, was taken on in that, you know, what, what are you looking value? What are your challenge in marketing? What are you coming across? And then as I like to say, good old salespeople would say is just shut up and listen. And you'd be amazed at what they tell you. And we were able to, as a result, shift around and make our offerings as close as we could. Sometimes we couldn't match it, but as close as we could to what was actually valued by potential sponsors and rely much more on sponsorships rather than the grant, those grants funding sources, which I think you touched, I don't want to get on your other point there. And, and why personally, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of the grants, uh, of grant sources, is because of a lot of those reasons that you mentioned there. But mean, just, just rather than, than swim in the, in the, the red, bloody, shark infested oceans, go into a blue ocean where it was, it was, it was, it was a new, new territory. Yep. So you mentioned one of the books that I uh, recommend as the blue ocean effect. So if you yeah. have not read that to the audience out there, you certainly must read it to understand what Mark is talking about ver red versus blue. Uh, I'm going to jump on uh, a number of things here. You were talking about, you, you're talking about memberships and I'm assuming you're going to interchangeably use that term with uh, sponsorships. Um, you were talking about identifying services you want to sell, putting the value on that for ROI and focusing on, uh, what's what we're good at and what we're known for, which is a tough intersection for nonprofits to really admit that we are known for this and good at that, which means we have to get rid of other programs. That yeah. is very, very hard for nonprofits to do. But I really want to uh, begin to talk strategy a minute um, and then come back to some generic questions. The strategy I want to talk about is, you know, where does memberships fit into the overall scheme of fundraising uh, and how to make it work? And for me, I'm wondering, does it have this look where uh, a person or a company is invited to invest uh, into a nonprofit at a certain rate or dollar amount? And in exchange for their investment, they may receive one or all of the following uh, opportunities to volunteer or serve, uh, opportunities to learn and ed get educated or to educate others, yeah. Uh, to solve a business problem or to establish a partnership that has both a problem solving effect and a way to give back. Is that how you're looking at the use of memberships or is there more to it than that? Uh, it depends. <laughs> yes. Yes. It depends. I mean, there's probably no one way of saying that I, I would, it, it depends largely on your cause and I'll be right up front. You have to, your board really has to have a very strategic conversation if it wants to go down that route because uh, if you are going to take uh, the route of memberships and probably very much the same, same case with sponsorships you can't think of that as just as free money you're gonna have to work for that uh, work for that and service that as well 
On the flip side of it, though, I do think that it provides a much more readily engaged tribe of people who are, who are, who are passionate about you. So memberships can, can, can mean a variety of different things. They can, they can just like you mean, they, they have voting, perhaps they have voting rights. Uh, they may have voting rights. They'll have certain access to some services that might be unique to, to uh, your, your cause. Maybe, maybe they're equipped as well to become advocates for your cause. But the bottom line is, is that certainly there's going to be some degree of expectation along the line that uh, some service is going to have to be rendered uh, in exchange for, uh, that, uh, for, for their membership for, for, for absolutely certain. So uh, I'm a big fan of them. I like them for a variety of things. Uh, but uh, like anything that you're going to be taking, uh, in terms of your funding uh, strategy, you do need to consider that. So give us some examples of uh, nonprofits, whether you've advised them, consulted them, or implemented yourself of where nonprofits successfully implemented membership strategies or, or sponsorship strategies, and, and just give us the details around that. Yeah, I think I've seen it probably the most successfully and the most common tends to be in, in on the association side of the nonprofit family. I think you know as well as I do, uh, William, that there's, we say nonprofit, but there's a big umbrella under that are very different, various different categories of nonprofits. I've seen it most uh, commonly and most successfully used in, in professional and trade associations where, or even a chamber of commerce or something of that nature where it, it, it's very clear. It's, it's, uh, it's a nonprofit organization that's got an advocacy base, might have some educational services, whatever that may be, but clearly you adhere to that association or that organization as a member and you receive something back. I've seen some other examples, however, wherein somebody is, uh, well, just recently, I'm, I'm, I'm involved with a, guy, with a campaign right now, an outreach campaign, a funny campaign, where their, their key contributing factor is, is, is selling memberships at differing levels. And uh, with what, what people get involved with that, uh, or what they get in return with that, I should say, is, is you know, they'll, they'll get access to the publication, for example. They're, they're clearly uh, hit up in the opportunities as well to partake in, uh, in some of the grander um, advocacy opportunities that might be, or, or special VIP invitations. Those I've seen that as well, depending of course, you know, you may want to consider sometimes even different levels of membership uh, as well, depending on what that may be. Um, really, it kind of depends on your case and what would make sense, but the underlining factor is a willingness and accept to accept in some kind of a, a service in exchange for. So let's talk about that a little bit because I just wrote that question down, uh, how to set pricing and then some, give us some options of attractive pricing levels uh, mm. that you've seen in the marketplace. Again, that, that largely depends. I mean, if we're going to, I've seen some, I've seen some trade and professional associations where if it's their membership base and they're going after corporations or like this, for example, that are, that are down there, then clearly you can charge a premium on that. I've seen some other, Organizations is one other. There's an advocacy group that's uh, like a public advocacy group uh, that I'm that I'm working with. They've got a very basic individual level where it's just ten dollars, simply just ten dollars a month, and then they've had a, a very high corporate VIP level where you're invited to some very very you know posh events, galas, whatever that may be, and that entry price is a thousand dollars. I've seen some tiered level, for example, and this is more, more and more common. We're seeing nowadays with, uh, with the prevalence of internet and how nonprofits, associations alike, 
leverage membership sites online where and they'll have tiered membership. I've seen it. Uh, one, one of my clients right now, for example, the uh, Project Management Association of Canada, uh, they have a tiered membership where in, uh, you know, it's $60, it's $60 annually for, for, the, uh, for this, and you get a six, and, and you get six months, six, your first six months free to be able to try that out if you want to renew or you want to get at a senior level, then it can be up to uh, about $100. Uh, and I, I've just seen the whole gamut, really. The, the bottom line is particularly putting an appropriate valuation on what you're offering. So that goes to us, one of the things that uh, any, any sponsorship campaign, membership campaign uh, that I would go out before we go out to market, we have to just, just, just like a business is going to try to size up the market and say, okay, well, what are, what, what's, what's out there currently? What are quote unquote competitors? And yes, nonprofits, you do have competitors. Yeah, you do have customers. You do have a market, just like a business. I know some of them that they say, I, you know, they put they plug their ears. They don't want to hear that, but it's the truth. You do have that. You know what's currently out there, and what do we? What differentiating factor uh, is out there, and what would cause somebody to want to want to pay? So uh, maybe I can give an example for uh, for at least on the sponsorship side, and it has a lot of relevance on the membership side as well. With the Association of Consulting Engineering Companies, when you know, you know, that my first my first day on the job, uh, when uh, my my boss is comes there and he's uh, he's a little cocky and he says, uh, "So uh, we're going to put a red big red thermometer outside your office and we're going to check this out every day." And I'm going to go, you know, and he's looking really clearly for me to when are you going to go out in the field and start doing this? It's really, you know, when are you going to start to do this? When are you going to? I said, "Hold on a minute." <laughs> Hold on a minute. We need to first and foremost get a sense of what are people interest, what are companies, what are our prospective sponsors, prospective affiliate associate members interested in? What do they see value in? We had developed, and when they got to when I when I got there, uh, you know, they had the benefit of hiring a prior consultant to to set the, the basic groundwork out. And uh, not, not a criticism on him, on his work, he laid out just a basic generic possible list of what could be possible. A lot of the stuff was very brand related. You know, we'll slap your logo up here. We'll put your name out on the newsletter. And, and maybe you, what we, what, based on his experience, uh, his, his very, you know, a very learned individual, this is what he's sort of seeing gradually. So this, this was a good framework to start from, but it had not been market tested yet. So I took, that, I took that information out to past sponsors, some prospective sponsors, without the objective of trying to sell anything, and just ask them, what, what, how, do, how do you develop business? And I don't know, um, how would you go about doing that you know, with association involvement? And I'd be amazed at what kind of information I would get back from them. And what was being, well, what, what I was finding out very much from this, uh, the, these conversations is that what was on our list of prospective ideas, value propositions, offerings out to these prospective members and prospective members in that um, was not really all that value. They really wanted, for example, something that we had underpriced, which was speaking opportunities. We thought, you know, we only got a crowd, we only got a conference of maybe 100 people out there. 
all right, we'll, we'll charge it out at, uh, you know, you want to come speak in front of the group, we'll charge it out. I think it was like $3,000. And, and we'll give you a sponsorship and recognition when you get up in front of the crowd and speak that. We were putting high value on, you know, putting a newsletter up or a brother there. They couldn't give a darn about that stuff. They couldn't give a darn about that. But that high end stuff, we were undercharging. So I guess getting back to, you know, long, giving a long answer to a short question is that you, 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 you do a little bit of a trial and error and back and forth about what the market can bear. We were finding over a period of time that we had to devalue the stuff that the logo presents, the line, this kind of stuff, and rather just kind of bundle it onto something else, but pump up the value proposition, the opportunity to speak before our, our conference. And by the time I was finished with them, we were no longer charging them $3,000. We were charging them $5,000 just to come up and speak. And we were able to do that because we were also very clear on the questions like this which was, what's your biggest pain point and who do you need to speak? Well, they would respond back. We just find it really difficult to get in front of really senior decision makers. Well, hallelujah, our crowd was, it was only 100 people in, the, in, our, in our little conference, but it was loaded with 100 CEOs. I mean, for somebody who's doing business development, uh, you know, the, the hallelujah that comes down and say, I'm, put me in front of that crowd, I don't care how it's that's, I, I can actually have some conversations. Oh, and Mark, you mean you're going to grab me by the elbow and, make, and, and introduce me to all these CEOs? Yeah, I'm going to do that. Where do I sign up? Yeah, I, my head's down, taking a ton of notes, and, and I began to think about scenarios where this yeah. can work out for, for nonprofits who are watching. Um, where do I start? I think, let me just start by talking about and re-echoing what you talked about, which is surveying the market, right? Understanding what the market is saying, what the market wants, uh, how the market is communicating uh, their needs. And I think that for nonprofits, we have to transition to becoming more inquisitive uh, and curious about what the yeah. market is saying. Uh, one, of the, one of my favorite companies is Apple. I'm an Apple guy. And this year, Apple has released a number of products and, or released the next phase of existing products that most people have. And one of the things I'm struck by as I watch the reviews of their products, and I'm just a geek that way where I know I'm going to get the product anyway, but I love watching the reviews. I love you know learning tips and tricks and tidbits. But there's a consistent theme that's being uh, put out there about the, these products that came out this year. And that theme was... Apple finally listened. <laughs> it's more than just, you know, Steve Jobs's original vision of we create something that people didn't know that they want. Yeah, there's a purpose for that. And, you know, you introduce new products to the marketplace, but when it becomes a mature product and it's, you know, plateauing, at some point you got to tweak it to respond to the customer, which then allows you to charge a premium and people will be willing to fork it over. But the reviewers are saying Apple finally listened. And maybe that's the message, Mark. One of several messages we're going to leave today with our audience, that is, as nonprofit community, whether it's grant-related fundraising, traditional fundraisers, memberships, or other strategies, you got to finally listen to the marketplace. Yeah. And I think if you're going to earn revenue, which is what I talk about in my book, Sustainable, How to Sustain a Nonprofit and Faith-Based Organization, you can't do none of that. You can't launch it without having a competency, first of all. Uh, that is marketable and sellable. And then secondly, listen to the marketplace. And so 
I do want to talk about an example, Mark, this is fictional, that we can help a nonprofit out there who says, I like the idea, but I don't know how to make this happen. So I wrote down a concept and maybe you can just add to this, right? Let's say there's a nonprofit that provides uh, a service to the community uh, that, um, give me, give me an example. Give me an example of a service. I'm amazed by this. This is, this is something, and I've, and I've broadcasted on this, and I've preached in the L-types about, uh, I, I love you nonprofit folks, but man, you got some, you got some attitude changes that you got to do. It's like, <laughs> I can never work for me, or this will never work because I do. Not poppycock, poppycock, nonsense. Poppycock. It can work. It can work. Okay, let's say, uh, okay, let's, let's imagine it's a service, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind you got like a meal on, meals on wheels kind of thing. Ooh. You're helping, you're helping the local homeless uh, population of some sort or another. What things do you currently buy? Who do you buy from? And who would you like to know? And I'm asking this of, uh, from a nonprofit perspective there, who would a particular, a particular sponsor, for example, who would they like to know, to know that they do that, that they, that they, they, they supply food or whatever that may be and it gets to, into the community? Who would they like to know, who would they like to have that known? All right, so uh, Mark, I'm loving this. So, so let's go with this example. Yeah. This is off the fly folks, unrehearsed. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm yeah. All right, not, I love not this. Prepared, man. So <laughs> let's say you are um, uh, Meals on Wheels, Right. And yeah. you said to Mark uh, and I throw me in there. I want to do a membership. Yeah. One of the things, Mark, you said that I think is powerful, obviously, Meals on Wheels. I'm not totally familiar with what they do, but let's assume that what they do is they 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 deliver meals to customers in need. Is that about accurate? Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much different kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So they deliver meals to customers in need. All right. And that is let's say that's their core mission. All right. And one of the things you said about their business operation is where where's their buying power right much of their buying power can be found in the food that they purchase correct i am also going to throw in there much of their buying power can be found in the vehicles that they purchase because they have to have yeah. some sort of delivery mechanism in the gas in the right. service and that's like right the everything associated with that insurance gas etc I will also, and I'm not sure how this works, but let's roll with this example. Their buying power is in their food packaging approaches. Let's say yeah. they have to, they purchase the food and they package food, whether it's in plastic or in boxes or bags or whatever the case may be. Let's just go with those three examples. Yeah. If you guys, if Meals on Wheels came to Mark and I and said, hey, can you help us with the membership package? In my mind, Mark, I'm thinking, there needs to be a membership package that addresses a couple of things in a marketplace. Uh, number one, which big companies want a permanent community presence? Yeah. All right. And so I hope you guys are writing this down as an example, right? Which big companies want a, com a permanent community presence and where it, what is the value of having that permanent adoption. And another way of membership is you can say, will you adopt us? Will you sponsor us, right? What is the value of that? The value comes in, obviously the dollars that's associated with that. 
Then the other value comes in. We have a place for our employees to volunteer. Yeah. And the other value comes in that this particular company or set of companies or industry, a industry that decides to adopt you, which is another way to go to membership, is we get the market that we're doing this and we get marketing dollars. And so this, this is very Bingo. interesting, right? Because now people are wondering, well, how do you make the money? If, if, I'm, if, I am a, if I am a part of the car dealership uh, industry and the local industry association, car dealership association says, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to sponsor Meals on Wheels. One, it's a win for everybody because you can get cars donated to the nonprofit. But if we're marketing this thing all year long that this is what we're about, this is how we're giving back and the vehicles that we sell vehicle x are so reliable that you can get i don't know 500 miles to the gallon to deliver uh x thousands of meals in three days first of all that that is a marketing yeah. gold mine the nonprofit can now say in exchange for utilizing our infrastructure to deliver to where we deliver food we utilize vehicles we don't have to use your vehicles right and we also manufacture it is going to cost you X. Yeah. Now talk, I mean, where are you at with this example? What, what would you add to it? What would you take well, I mean, away? There, we're getting it. We're going to be getting it. We, you and I would have to probably have a sit down and, and do some real serious, uh, as I say, sharpening of the pencils, but mm -hmm. you, you know, um, the, the, the people and the mentors that I've lived with, that I've worked with have that they've got it down to a science where they, they literally broken it down by like, you know, per impression on the percents and all like this. And anybody wanted to talk to me, we could, we could talk and do a, a, you know, a calculation of this. You have to get a good sense of, okay, who's going to see the truck, for example, you know, it's not just, it's just not the people in need because obviously the truck's going to be, it has to get from point A to point B, right. It has to, it has to get there. And in the, course of the time over the like you rightly said over the course of the time of the year i mean uh you know it's 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 going to see a number of how many eyeballs you know take into uh now i'm going to take a wild stab you're probably not all that far different from where i live but how many times do you see car dealerships with using built buying billboard space See, you're, you're talking about something I wasn't even talking about. I mean, that's a whole nother yeah, we're, angle. We're, just, we're, we're brainstorming out here, folks. We're just coming out there. But I mean, just, just, I mean, uh, what do you think that that average, uh, for example, that average uh, billboard uh, sales agency, how do, they, how do you think that they break down what they're worth? Well, they know exactly if they put something up along the highway, along the interstate or wherever like this, they, they know how many people are going to zoom past that thing and how many eyeballs are going to see that. And they literally have it broken down. Well, that's the same thing that you have to break down and you put a real genuine valuation. And that is also the problem why so many, I think so many nonprofits have trouble with the sponsorship space and why they rely on what I call the GSB syndrome, the gold, silver, bronze thing. Um, I'm gonna let you in on something, uh, William. They don't give a darn about your, <laughs> what they're called. They really don't care. What they care about is, okay, how much exposure and how is how how's our company or are, are, how am I going to look as a result of being associated with, uh, with this? But the conversation as a result, you, I guess you can kind of begin to see that this isn't just a cap in hand, see, please do the right thing, aka guilt people into supporting this. This is now a business conversation. This, is, oh, this yep. changes the dynamic there and then you can flavor it as well with the cause. Now, 
I'm, I'm probably jumping all over the place. And then and there's a whole aspect of how you make the appropriate presentation and pitch and all like that when you're in the meeting. You have to start, of course, with, with, with the, the great mission that you, uh, of what you're trying to do and what you're accomplishing, that you win people over the heart. But you can't forget the logical start like this because that's what people are going to, in the end, justify, and, uh, justify their, their investment with and make themselves feel good about the thing, saying, yes, this was a, not only was I doing a good thing, this was a smart thing to do. So Mark went in a totally different direction with the vehicle thing. I was talking about getting the, the industry, the car industry, uh, yeah. automotive industry to sponsor uh, a number of vehicles plus yeah. a fee to use the our name for their volunteer and community service activity. Then Mark yeah. came in with yeah. a sponsorship fee for uh, eyeballs because if I'm in, if I'm Meals on Wheels and I travel one million miles a year, that means I am going to pass X number of millions or thousands of eyeballs that particular value means I'm a traveling billboard. So you, out of the, the vehicle piece, the buying power of vehicles or the usage of vehicles, Mark and I came up with two member sponsorship, adoption, uh, 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 partnership assets. strategies. I call them assets. All right, they're assets. Now here's the other thing, Mark, right? We have buying power with food. So let me give you this example. Yeah. If I'm going to, if I'm Meals and Wheels and I have buying power with food where I buy in bulk, I'm thinking of, I got here, two membership concepts. Number one, a membership concept around the brand of food that I decide to use and give to my customers, right? Name recognition. So instead of um, uh, giving a non-name brand a cereal, we may give a branded cereal. What yeah. is that worth? What percentage is that worth, right? The second membership fee, that I, I'm thought about is the food prep fee, right? So are we going to get food prepped and um, prepared by a celebrity chef who wants to be known in the community? Or are we going to get food prepared by a particular restaurant that is popular or is up and coming? Or are we going to get cross, cross promotion opportunities, cross right promotion there. opportunities, and are we going to get food prepared by a restaurateur who has a chain of restaurants in the area? And some may be asking, well, why would that matter? If, if I'm trying to be seen as a good community citizen, a corporate citizen, one, I'm going to want to give back any way I can. But two, if, if the community found out that Celebrity Chef X or Restaurateur X is also doing food prepared, uh, preparing the food, that association mentally says, well, I've been to this restaurant and I paid a premium dollar and I thought the food was good. So if I already know that the food is good and it's tasty yeah. and it's healthy, then yeah. I can rest, rest assured that chef so-and-so or restaurateur so-and-so is giving quality food. Therefore, Meals on Wheels is really stepping that game up, you yeah. know, in terms of the quality. So, I mean, where are you at with, with some examples with oh, this uh, is just, I'm, I'm just kidding. You can just, I'm, I'm jumping on. I'm so excited by this, frankly. This is amazing. Um, you know, this, that, that, there's just so many. If, if you really start to get down to it and think about this, this is why I said poppycock earlier like this. It's like, just get out of the negativity and just, and just get creative. You'll begin to see that what's really genuinely possible, right? Um, you know, what immediately popped in my head is another example. We can jump off another side here. This is something 
why sponsorships, the field of sponsorships is just so vast. And the opportunities, when you begin to realize just how many opportunities are, you can begin to change that mentality of scarcity towards, wow, oh my God, the biggest problem is, I don't know where to start. There's just so many things. One of the first times that I got really exposed to sponsorships uh, was earlier in my career. We're going, I'm gonna go, jump back probably about 12, 13 years. I'd occupied, I was taking on the role of Chief of Communications for the Canadian Paralympic Committee. So this is the national sporting body for Paralympic sports in advance of the last Vancouver uh, Winter Games. You might remember that when it happened. Now, prior to the Vancouver Games, this little organization was dinky, pincy-wincy there. Or literally, we only had, we were a staff of probably at best eight or, nine, eight or nine people in the head office. That was small, small, small. We had really little money like this. And we needed to get ready for this game. The, 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 uh, the Paralympic Committee, the Olympic Committee in Canada was really saying, we've got to really leverage this, this, this opportunity. So how do we get the, the, the worth out there? Because we have another biggest part of the challenge at the time. It's different now, but back in the day, we had done a lot of surveying in that, and people automatically associated the word Paralympic sport with Special Olympics, which is different. It's, it's very, very different. It made, people didn't work, there was, there was a very small awareness, like about 5% awareness from. So we had a, obviously we wanted to bring money in, but our biggest, our, our even biggest problem was we needed to raise up awareness. We wanted people to be really proud of and, and, and totally amazed with these athletes. Yes, they've got physical, uh, you know, had physical challenges, physical disabilities, but they were true athletes in some way or life. And we wanted people to view them that way, like to amaze with us. So what we did was we began to do, and I collaborated with my, my colleague who was doing sponsorships at the time. This is really where she, she really brought me in, into something, opened my mind up, of a beautiful concept that comes about of value in kind sometimes or sponsored values in kind. Let me explain. There was only so much that we could do on our total annual budget of probably a little more than a million dollars annually. I know some organizations say, I would love to have a million dollars. Think about that, eight staff, I had an office downtown and the capital like this, that's, that's, it starts to get smaller. And we had this huge mission to go. So instead we said, okay, we managed to do, and I helped her negotiate and, and get a lock in with a, one of the major trade uh, publishers, uh, publishing magazines. Uh, this, this company had, uh, didn't have the mainstream publications, but it had under its property some, I think some 100 or 100, 200 odd trade publications, grain, uh, grain producers, manufacturers, all these kinds of different things. And a lot of small journal, uh, like regional publications that, that they were the publisher for in their HQ in Toronto. We managed to, uh, to, to, to negotiate an approach to him, and he began to really love what we were doing and what we were accomplishing. But he says, you know what? I can't fork out a big check for you. But here's what I'm willing to do. We negotiated a $250,000 value in kind of his assets, of his spaces in, of advertising in all of his publications across Canada, wherein... We had now guaranteed ad space negotiated that we could then go out and sell into the marketplace. You begin to see the value that we were, what was happening. And as, as a result of this, two things was happening. 
we're, A, we, were, we created an asset. That's another important thing that's so important. And we were kind of talking about uh, earlier about this, why it's so important for nonprofits to get serious about what their assets are, what, what they are of, of value. We created a really highly valuable asset where we could go to, uh, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm going to make it up. I think we have the Royal Bank of Canada, which is in Canada is, is, is the largest bank. It's like the equivalent of Bank of America, Royal Bank, R RBC. And, and say to them, you know what, you've got a huge advertising budget, but why don't you just go to us and A, you'll, you'll, you'll latch on to a, an amazing brand that's doing some fantastic things in advance of some, some international games. It's going to be right here in Vancouver. You'll get that. And also, rather than you going out and trying to negotiate 200, 100 uh, to 200 different ad deals, through, maybe through your agency, you just get one flat rate and you'll get your advertisements in all of these places. And it'll be associated with Paralympic sport. Do you not think that that would became a really attractive offering for, uh, for a Royal Bank of Canada or something like that? Wow, I get to save money. I get attached to a really great cause that everybody's starting to get really excited about. And uh, I, can cut, I can cut out the middleman. Wow, this is, this is a great, where, how, where do I sign? This is, this is a great deal. You multiply that by so many other different times. What was also happening was organizations. Another one of the uh, one of the big, 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 big um, like petroleum or, or gas station companies in Canada is called Petro Canada. They've got gas stations everywhere, in, everywhere in Canada, right? We worked out a deal with them and said they started on we, where we latched onto their already their marketing campaign, saying, "Come to fill up your gas at Petro Canada, proud sponsors of." Paralympic sport, where at the end they'd get a Paralympics, uh, a Paralympian that'd come up there and filling up gas or like this or doing these other really neat things. And they were really motivational. We were pumped up like this because like you wouldn't believe because my God, we're finally getting the awareness. People are knowing about us here. And, um, and, and as a result of that, <laughs> hell, we were getting paid and we're also growing our, our awareness out. I, on the screen, everybody's looking at uh, the book cover, Sustainable, I wrote, How to Sustain a Faith-Based Nonprofit and uh, uh, Faith-Based Nonprofit Organization. You're mentioning terms that I wrote about and I believe in, Mark, and, and one term that I think must be reiterated is the word assets, the ownership or control of assets. And, and immediately, Mark, immediately I thought about uh, the fact that so I, I'm hearing someone say, well, I can't afford to buy it. We, we don't have the money to buy it. What you articulated, the example you gave was, it's not about buying it. If you can get an in-kind asset donation, you're now in control of the asset, which means now you can sublease your yeah. control of that asset. You talked about uh, subleasing the, the ad space, subleasing uh, uh, petroleum uh, usage and and how folks can now get that and you're getting a piece of those dot those funds in this book I talk about this and I'm sure Mark you have resources that you'll share as we begin to wrap up but this is this is critical man this is important for organizations to think about in terms of what it means to take on memberships what it means to become sustainable uh, I, I had a question here for you I do want to wrap up because I can talk to you all day long. Um, let me, I'm going to ask this one question. I think the others you kind of addressed, but 
this is something that that really is concerning to me. It's it's an interest of mine. And the question is this, Mark: uh, What can you say? What can we say as we wrap up to emerging nonprofit leaders who are emerging into leadership roles and responsibilities, who are on the incline of their career? and are taken over for guys like you and I, what can we say to them to get them to think broadly about fundraising strategies that are beyond the traditional strategies out there, that are beyond grants, that are beyond chicken dinner sales, that are beyond yeah. cupcake sales and cookie sales? What can you say to them uh, today to get them inspired to think along these lines? Well I'm going to use a first thing, a little thing that my, my, my dear aunt in the area there, I go to, and uh, she's, she's been uh, in, in many ways a, kind of a professional uh, source of mentorship from time to time. I remember very one time where I was stressed out and I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm not going to do this kind of this project. She says, Mark, breathe and believe. <laughs> breathe and believe. It's going to be okay. That's the first thing. That's the first thing. Breathe, take a step back. I know this seems scary. Look, when they told me at that job that, you know, we want you to raise, we only, we've never really had at, at the association consulting engineering companies. We've only had, uh, we've only had really three partners. We've never really done sponsorship. Oh, and by the way, we need you to cover about a $300,000 deficit in our, in our budget. And we'd like you to do that, that get, you know, $300,000 in annual uh, recurring revenue in the next three years. Um, Good luck, buddy. <laughs> that, that was a moment of goal. But you know what? When you breathe and believe and just uh, take this down, and, and first and foremost is break this down into many steps. Okay? The first thing is for uh, first thing, uh, first and foremost, is you've got to get good, solid assets. Not from the heart necessarily, although it's important, not from the message of the heart there. Uh, that's, that's what, what attracts people on this, but what's going to close the deal is you need to have good, solid assets that are tested out there in the market. Okay. I like that. I like people that. will constantly say this and, and, and you can probably attest to this and you, you've been uh, in business for a while. Uh, how many times, uh, William, you say, you know, you tell a friend or a family member, uh, I'm going into business and they'll say, uh, or, you know, Oh, that's great. That's good for you. But then when the time comes for them to actually cut the check, it's a whole different, oh, well, you know, they go kind of go silent, okay? The ultimate litmus test of this, and I was just at a, at a, at a social entrepreneurship event, and I, I was telling them they're, they're, you know, grumbling, and nobody was paying out this, or they're starting this out, or we want to go out and get this ground funding, and we're never getting supported. And I said, before you even start anywhere on this, you got to genuinely test to see, is this of any value and how much would you actually pay? For, would you actually, would you even pay for this? And how much would you actually pay for this? I'm not trying to sell you. I just genuinely want to know. We're, we're trying to figure out whether this, I call it the Columbo approach. Anybody who's ever watched Columbo, says, uh, I would literally go into the meetings and, you know, well, I got this hunch. I don't know if it's right or not. Maybe you can tell me if I'm, uh, if it's crazy or not. And people genuinely really love that kind of thing where you kind of go in there and say, can you validate this? Is there something to this? I amazingly would get great answers and feedback to be able to either, either sell directly and, and maybe my hunch was right. A lot of the times people would say, yeah, your hunch is you're not completely crazy, but we might want to go this way. Rather than me trying to hard do the hard sell and the hard pitch, it's just simple. It's go out and find what people want and then give it to them. <laughs> 
I I cannot say anything more. I will share another one of my books here. Uh, you said, uh, tell me what your aunt said again. I didn't say anything. I just said, give it to them. <laughs> no, I think you, there was something that, uh, there was a, a kind of an idea that she used to say to you all the time. Oh, breathe and believe. <laughs> breathe and believe. Breathe and believe. So off of that, I'm going to add this. Uh, my first book that I wrote, Leverage, I am going to add to what Mark said, and I'm going to encourage emerging leaders in the nonprofit space, space to not only breathe and believe, because there's a lot there that we could talk about, but I'm also going to encourage you, as you breathe and believe, go ahead and leverage. Leverage yeah. everything you have around you, and if you rewind this podcast or this video, and you look at what Mark and I talked about with the real live example of how to create new money out of thin air without writing one grant, you can breathe and believe on that. And if you just leverage what you already have, as we taught you in this particular podcast, you will be able to create new opportunities. In this book, I talk about the biblical character, Jacob, and how he became wealthy with absolutely no money, no resources, absolutely nothing to his name. And he became wealthy because he got fed up and he decided to create his own asset, uh, asset donation uh, membership that Mark talked about. And if you want to read more, go get the book or you can read it in the Bible there. But uh, Mark, I, I just think that there was so much that we talked about. Um, any parting words before we sign off here? Any yeah, folks, look, you give out social media? Time. It, is, it is possible. I've said that this so much in this, if anything, um, I want people to realize that it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be scary. If you break this down, it's possible. If, you, if, if I had gone in and said, oh my God, on the first day when my boss had put that thermometer, that supposed thermometer, put that thermometer outside of my office door and say, hey, you're gonna hit that 300,000. And I said, oh my God, I'm gonna hit that $300,000 today. <laughs> I probably would have, uh, you know, would have had a nervous breakdown. But, you know, instead I, I looked at this you know, methodically and said, okay, who do we want? What do we have to offer? What's of value? Who would possibly be, I take a very small sampling of who would possibly be interested in, and I know that would be very receptive, just having a frank conversation. And I would stress with them, this is, I'm not trying to pitch you or sell like this. Frankly, if you wanted to do something, I'm not in a position to be offered it to you, which by the way, is a bit of a sell free sales tactic is an amazing thing to probably pull people more in to say, when you say that you I'm not going to give it to you if people wanted something more, but, um, and, 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 and just always kind of be willing to fine tune and tweak, you know, one, that was, that was the thing that I would say is, is immediately when someone said, well, can you send me something? I said, no, I can't send you something and I'm not going to send you something because your idea of what would work in a marketing or a CSR campaign is going to be maybe different than what Microsoft's is. We need to have a frank conversation, and this is going to be a, a several conversation step. So that'd be the other piece of the lesson that I'd have is, is, is think about that. And what's the um, CSR, uh, Mark? Uh, sorry, corporate social responsibility initiatives there, as well. So uh, you know, these are these are different things. So you know, above all, too, is is, is check me out or look me up if you want. Ninety-dayturnabout.com there, and uh, as well. Mark, this was awesome. Uh, we got to do it again. And I hope so. we probably should spend several hours together. And I, I like the idea of going through 
fictitious examples and just giving the people what they want and teaching them how to do we this. We should do a challenge to that effect. We should do a challenge, like uh, call it like, like a call-in challenge. Call-in, give us a challenge, and we'll give you a membership strategy on the spot. Yeah. Actually, actually, uh, no, I'm serious. We should really do that. <laughs> and, and we should charge for it, right? We should charge yeah. a ticketed online event to come talk to Mark and Dr. Clark and we will do that. Mark, we will talk about that offline, but thank you for doing this. Thank you for Fantastic. being a part of this and uh, appreciate it, my friend. Uh, thank you. Hey, everyone. It's believe and breathe, breathe and believe it is possible. It Thanks. Is possible. All righty. Okay. All right.